Yeah, that that's is. a really that's a great question. Um, you know, here's the deal. First, I'm not a doctor, but I yes. can tell you my experience. Yes, my experience is sometimes, you know, being being in a depressive state is very uncomfortable because you don't know how to explain how you feel. You don't feel like you can do anything. You don't feel like you can go to work. You don't feel like you can make a difference. You don't feel like anything. And everything is almost like it's like a loop. If you mm-hmm. if your if your brain says I can't do XYZ, the body typically follows. Mm-hmm. And so you got here's one of the biggest things I think is you know, make sure you get sunlight. Like 20 minutes of sunlight not with sunglasses on, but sunlight. I don't yeah. mean stare at the sun. I just mean be out when it's daylight um, yeah. without any kind of protection on your eyes. Why? Because it increases the serotonin in your brain, which is what makes you happy. And yeah. I would argue that would, in my opinion, that's probably what's going on with a lot of of people now and for sure last year because you know we were all closed in locked down right and nobody was exercising because there was no gyms open and heaven forbid people go outside but but i would i'll tell you i saw more people outside during 2020 than i ever have in my life yeah and and it is so vitally important that people understand how important that sunlight is and how it can change the neurochemicals in your brain from a from a all right everyone um i am so excited to bring this man who's sitting in front, virtually in front of me, to you guys. I have known him for six months now. Uh, he has helped me a great deal in, you know, uh, getting clarity about what I wanted to do with my life outside the IT business. And not only helped me get the, that clarity, but he also uh, was the CEO. He was like chief encouragement officer. He encouraged me, in, you know, to do things, go and try and not just think, 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 and <laughs> overthink and not do it. So I'm so glad to bring him there. And the one thing you're going to love about him is that whatever he's going to talk about, he's going to give you examples from his life. He's done it. Uh, whether it's, uh, you know, you know, failing, succeeding, he's done it all. Like anything you can think of that comes out of his mouth, he has done it. He will not say something he hasn't done himself. So welcome, Corey. And thank you, brother, for doing this. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. I really am looking forward to this. Amazing, amazing. So we'll jump right into it. How about, uh, you know, for the audience, you share about a little bit about your journey from your background, like uh, your childhood to your, um, you know, early career start and how you pivoted into entrepreneurship. Sure. So do we have three days? I'm just kidding. Um, So it's interesting. You know, I I grew up in, you know, upper middle class family. Uh, We lived Mm -hmm. in a nice neighborhood, you know. Uh, But I will tell you that, you know, I was a fat kid. And that was a big part of my life. Um, Mm. And 
I was 12 years old, and I remembered like it was yesterday. These three girls were sitting at the end of the pool. I jumped off the diving board. I got out. They asked me to do it again. In my mind, I'm thinking, they think I'm cute. And <laughs> so I go in to do it again, and, and they asked me to do it again. And I still, I, I thought for sure at this point, definitely thought I was cute. Um, and the reality was, uh, before I got to the diving board that third time, they asked me if I'd ever considered wearing a training bra. <laughs> and so it was devastating. I'll be honest with you. It, yeah, it tore yeah. my confidence to shreds. Mm. I was embarrassed. I was humiliated. And I realized, and I'm glad it happened. I am really glad it happened. It was very uncomfortable at the time. But I made a choice at that moment. I'll never go through that again. And so that mm. summer, I went on a diet. I started exercising. And to this day, I've never gained that weight back. No. And that was almost... 30 years ago. Wow. So that's a, that's a really small portion of me as a, as a child. Now, if you move forward, um, you know, I, I partied in high school a little bit. I partied like crazy in college. Wasn't <laughs> successful there. I was successful at partying. Wasn't successful at <laughs> finishing college. Hmm. Um, and I learned, it's interesting because I learned to sell which is what I do. I, I work with entrepreneurs and business owners and I create sales processes. I help them flush out their sales team or lots of times uh, I, it's some have something that has to do with the owner himself or herself. Yeah. Right. So, so I learned early, early, early on uh, probably five years old, I would go out and I would hunt golf balls because we lived on a golf course. Mm -hmm. And I would go hunt golf balls and I would clean them in the ball washer and I would take them down to the sporting goods store and I would sell them. Mm -hmm. So my entrepreneurship, if you want to call it that at the time, it was, you know, I was making money at five. And so yeah. it kind of just snowballed into this desire to continue making money. Mm -hmm. And so I did. I, I've worked at an actual job uh, since I was 15 years old, meaning that's where I kind of where I started. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so I'll fast forward a little bit. I got out of college uh, or, or finished up my stint in college and decided to go into uh, actually I went and I followed. Um, I went to the Republican National Convention, and the reason I went to the Republican National Convention is because a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine, was John Edwards' uh, right-hand man. So mm. he asked me if I wanted to go because he knew a guy there that would go, and he would go to the convention, and he would sell memorabilia to mm -hmm. Democrats, and he would sell memorabilia to the Republicans, right? He, in one, one side of the bag, it would have, have, I hate Republicans. The other side, would have, I hate Democrats, right? And you just pick and choose. It was, it was like, it was a hustle, dude. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. And it was a, it was a really cool, cool experience. Um, and, you know, by that time to give you guys just a little idea of the, I'd been in trouble, right? I'd already gotten two DUIs. I'd lost my license. Um, and so I went on this journey, right? And, and then the guy that owned the, the, the store, the, the, it was called American, uh, political Americana, I believe was the name of it. Mm -hmm. And 
he asked me if I wanted to go follow Al Gore. Maybe that was – I can't remember if that was 2000 or 2004. I think it was 2004. I can't remember what year it was. I went to mm-hmm. two different times. And so I did. I went and followed Al Gore on his bus tour. And mm-hmm. we sold memorabilia to the people there. Well, that was – you know, it was interesting, right? Mo- most people can't say they followed, you know, one of the <laughs> presidential candidates around all – you know, for months. And so mm-hmm. when that gig ended, uh, I went back to school. And mm-hmm. uh, once again, I fell right back into selling drugs and doing drugs. And and this is this is an interesting part. And this is where intuition, this is where your gut comes in. So mm-hmm. I had this really funny feeling that something was just not right. And I was living in an apartment with another gentleman. Uh, he was my roommate. And I don't know what it was. It was just a gut, that gut feeling, right? I don't know mm-hmm. how to explain it. And something said, you got to get out of here. Something is not, something's not right. And I kid you not, I got on a train to Las Vegas, which was a mistake because mm. Lord have mercy, five days straight. Mm. Um, and sure enough, by the time I got to Las Vegas, one of our other friends overdosed in oh. my apartment and died. Oh. Oh. And so... I mean, like that was, and he wasn't a good friend of mine. I knew him, but he wasn't a, you know, I don't, I, I hate that he died, but like I wasn't like his best friend. But the point is, yeah. is that I dodged a major bullet because I mean, mm-hmm. I can't mm-hmm. even imagine what could have happened to me. So after that, um, Las Vegas was a complete and utter shit show. Mm. And, you know, because it's Las Vegas. What do you expect? Right. I mean, um, and so after Vegas, I moved back in with my dad and then I moved to Raleigh, North Carolina, and I started working here. Um, I started my first business was, well, my very, I've had several, but profitable. My first one was I, I opened a training studio, a personal training studio, and, and I sold that business and opened up a med spa. And mm. that's where the next, you know, let's just call it the next chapter of my life started. And it was a really hard time in my life because I had lost what I thought was going to be forever. I had, yeah. lo- and when I say lost, I could go into the details. I don't mind doing that, but I won't bore you with that. But my partner and I had a, you know, had a disagreement about the fact we were in debt and he was screwing a girl that I fired. So there was a massive yeah. problem there. So I got out mm. from under under that mess, and but but the, but the flip side of that is I I, I got out with nothing. I, I didn't mm. owe anything. I didn't owe that three fifty. He took on the debt, but I also didn't. I didn't I, I, nothing. Anything. Like I'd sold my other business previously, right? So it, to open this one, and I I was lost. I was super 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 lost, and mm. that's where microdosing psychedelics came in. And mm. I started microdosing um, mushrooms. And when I say microdose, it's extremely, extremely low, 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 mm. low, low. Like not to the point that you feel anything. You're not tripping out or you're not acting weird or anything like that. Um, but what it did do is it brought me out of that depression. And, mm. and the, you know, I don't know if you've ever dealt with depression, but it's a real thing. It's a really yeah, it's totally hard. It's, it's, it's like you're trapped in your mm. 
brain and in your body. And, and sometimes you just don't even feel like you can move. So, um, yeah. And so, and, and now I've got my coaching business. I've got a couple of other businesses. We can talk about that a little bit later. And that's a, a snapshot. I could go into grave detail about a lot of things. Yes. Later. So yes. if there is something you want me to go into detail about, fire away. Yeah. The first uh, I would ask you is like, um, when did you know like sales were your gift? Like this is something, obviously you started at five years old and uh, you were, you continued with different areas of your journey into businesses. But when did you know like this is like gold for you? Well, I'll tell you, you know, I've always been able to communicate in a way to get the outcome that I was looking for. And mm. I don't mean mm. manipulation. I don't mean that. Yeah. I'm, what I'm saying is, if you understand a sales process, if you understand how to communicate with the other, other side, let's just call you being the other side right now. If you're the person I'm trying to sell to yeah. or, or do business with, I need to understand how you feel. I need to understand how you feel about what I'm talking about, and I need to put mm -hmm. myself in your shoes. And yes. if I can do that, I've always been able to do a pretty good job of that. So therefore, I usually excel in whatever I'm selling uh, or mm -hmm. whatever mm -hmm. I'm doing around sales. Now, I will tell you, interestingly, I, I didn't necessarily know I should be coaching on sales because I'd yeah. done it for so long. And to be honest with you, I really did believe that everybody knew what I did about sales. And then I started getting into it with people, meaning like I started getting into the dynamics of sales. And like, the truth is people don't have a clue. Mm, mm. Yeah. So that was a long winded answer, but no, no. Uh, I, and, and it takes me right into it, uh, which is, uh, you know, I all like there is this huge uh, bubble or negative uh, connotation associated with sales, and there is I understand you know there have been people who manipulate and take advantage, and that you'll find in every industry, every kind of culture, work, and uh, relationship. But that I guess mental block, uh, if you uh, if we call it that, that people have around sales, that's what stops. Um, what is it about sales that, you know, that people think negatively that you can maybe give a different perspective as a person who has been in sales for so long and coaches sales that can allow them to see it differently? That's a great question. Um, that's a really great question. So the first thing that I would say is the biggest thing that stops anybody uh, in sales is fear. And mm -hmm. I know it sounds very simple, but at the end of the day, if you think about, you know, let's just say you're not in sales and you're, you're, and like, you're not, you're not in sales. Like you're, you're in, uh, you know, it and, and so on and so forth. So by default, let, and we'll just, if it's okay, I'll just use you as an example. Yes. Most people that you, that are in, IT services or computer services or anything that has to do with working behind a desk and not talking a lot, there's an even greater fear 
of actually having to speak to someone. And the reality mm-hmm. is that fear is something that most of the time is in your head. And what I mean by mm-hmm. that is we think that, well, if I call this person to sell them a, whatever it is, they're going to hate my guts. They're mm-hmm. going to think I'm the worst person in the world. They're also mm-hmm. probably going to cuss me out and they're probably going to hang up on me. Those are the thoughts mm-hmm. that go through every person's brain that ever has to do a sale. Now, that thought doesn't go through their brain all the time, but for a lot of people, it does. And guess what? There are days, there are times, maybe it's a really big deal for me. Maybe it's a $50,000 price tag, and that makes me a little bit nervous going into it. Now, not nervous enough that I'm not going to make the call, because guess what? If you don't make the call, you sure as hell are not going to get the answer. Yes. And so it's okay for people not to do business with me. I'm cool with that. Like at the end of the day, if you feel like I'm not a good fit for you, then most yeah. likely we're not going to be a good fit. And I'm okay with that. I'd rather you tell me that than tell me, yeah, this is great. And then I never hear from you again. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I don't like that. I don't enjoy that. So the way I get around that is I ask, we are most people want to say yes to everything. And I'll give yeah. you an example. So I like this, and I, I, this is not mine. I took this from Chris Voss because he is a master at it. But what I, I like to ask the question, would it be a ridiculous idea that we move forward with this podcast? Your answer to that is going to be no. It would not be a ridiculous idea. We're on a podcast, so no, it wouldn't be ridiculous. But what I've found, and this is so interesting. I was just telling my wife this two days ago. I said, usually when I ask that no-oriented question, people don't answer no. Mm. If if we take the question I just asked you, you would say, oh, well, yeah, Corey, we should be on the podcast. Most people will answer, even though I ask a question, to get a no, yeah. they'll give me the answer I want, but it's in yes form. And so <laughs> either way, I win, but I'm still trying to nail this down to where I could just get somebody to say no, and, and mm-hmm. I've yet to do it. I get the answer I want, but I don't get to know. So I guess the point is, is you get you know, you get the answer you want. So Fear is one of the biggest things that holds people back and the illusion of what's going to happen mm. or, or the illusion of what's going to happen next. All right. Mm. I'm, you know, I've talked to someone, I've talked to Manpreet. We're going to do the deal. I know he's certain we do the deal and then fear sets in. What if I can't do the next deal? What mm. if I, what if my pipeline goes dry? What if, what yeah. if, what if, what if? Instead, just pick up the phone and make the call. Yeah, yeah. That, that's true. And it, it takes me, it reminds me when we were talking a few months back and, you know, you were helping me figure out uh, or narrow down to uh, my gift areas or what my genius is. And one of the things... Um, we were talking about meditation and, and I remember you asked me, uh, um, okay, uh, what can you talk about? And I was like, 
meditation. And then immediately my mind went into that fear that you're talking. And I was like, but I have only done it for uh, six months. And your answer was, if you remember, uh, that, uh, uh, you know, you're still ahead of somebody who has not done it, uh, you know, even once. And that sort of took the fear away. So I love how you're able to reframe those same things, but in a way that there's no fear there anymore. Yeah, because at the end of the day, not and again, you know, I did this for the longest time. I thought everybody knew what I did about sales. And then just until I really started working with different businesses and understanding that people don't even know the fundamentals. They don't even know the basics of it. Mm. It's, mm. It, and so I'll be honest, when I first started working with businesses, I would go in teaching stuff that I – you know, that I really like talking about, which is about 10 steps ahead of everybody else. Mm. And I wondered, well, why is it this is not landing the way I want it to? And the reason is, is because I was on step 10 and they were on step negative one. one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, if you were to get maybe one or two steps of somebody who isn't the, uh, uh, you know, technical role sitting behind the desk has some aspirations thinking whether I could do sales or not. What could one or, you know, what could such a person do to just explore whether it's for them or not? That's a great question. And I will give you the secret sauce and and it's, it's going to be slightly uncomfortable for people mm-hmm. But this is the way you get over you get over being uncomfortable is role play. Even if it's with your wife, if it's with your buddy, if it's with your coach, if it's whoever it's with, doesn't matter. But mm. if you think about, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you this analogy, and I want you to think about Tom Brady. Everybody knows who Tom Brady is, and everybody knows mm. he's arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks on the planet. Yeah. And so, do you think? that Tom Brady goes out on the football field on Sunday and runs a play that he has a practice. Absolutely not. He is not going to do that because he hasn't practiced it. He's a professional. He's an expert. Experts practice. Michael Jordan, he would shoot a thousand free throws every single day. Hmm. He's Michael Jordan. He didn't have to shoot a thousand free throws, but guess what? He put in the practice, and that way, when he got to the game, he knew when it left his hand exactly where it was going to go. Yeah, and that's just like sales. Yes, yes, practice. Uh, uh, Let me be clear on something really quick. But don't practice on your customers because (laughs) that is a waste of time waste of customer and quite frankly you're probably going to look like an idiot yeah do it with somebody that's yeah that's not going to give you money yeah and also give you the false uh, negative in the sense that you will hurt yourself and then you're thinking you're not good at all because you're just inexperienced but you're you know you using that inexperience as a excuse to not do it anymore so i i love that add on um, you know, to not do it. Um, I wanted to go back into, you know, the time you 
mentioned um, that you were in depression because of, you know, losing the business, building a business, building it good, selling it, and then getting into a second business that, you know, probably was, as you mentioned, the hardest uh, period of your life. And, uh, and specifically because I understand, I mean, I, I don't know if I've been in depression like I have sometimes, but nothing that I can relate to you. But I also know there are a lot of people that are there and they feel uh, like, you know, uh, captivated by it. They are captivated, but they also uh, do not uh, have a way to um, let it out, vent it out, or give it an outlet in some form or shape. And the people around cannot help either. Like, um, I remember, and uh, this is uh, where me comes in. I I had I, my sister, um, and she was in depressive state. And unfortunately, as siblings, we could never understood that. And we were far, like I, she was back in India and growing up. Uh, initial years, because we didn't have examples, we didn't have that empathy, what a depression could do. And, and it's unfortunate that I can understand or I have at least um, I'm open to try to understand now, but she's there no more. Like she's, we lost her this earlier this year, but, uh, but I know there are people who need help. And this is why I'm taking you in that. So if you can shed some light, like how it felt and what are some things that they should think differently that can help them get out of it. Or That's a- maybe... Yeah. Yeah. That's a really, that's a great question. Um, you know, here's the deal. First, I'm not a doctor, but I can tell you my experience. Yes. My experience is sometimes, you know, being, being in a depressive state is very uncomfortable because you don't know how to explain how you feel. You don't feel like you can do anything. You don't feel like you can go to work. You don't feel like you can make a difference. You don't feel like anything and everything is almost like it's like a loop if you mm-hmm. if your if your brain says i can't do xyz the body typically follows mm-hmm. and so you got here's one of the biggest things i think is you know make sure you get sunlight like 20 minutes of sunlight not with sunglasses on but sunlight i don't yeah. mean stare at the sun i just mean be out when it's daylight um yeah. without any kind of protection on your eyes. Why? Because it increases the serotonin in your brain, which is what makes you happy. And I would argue that would, in my opinion, that's probably what's going on with a lot of people now. And for sure last year, because, you know, we were all closed in, locked down, right? And Nobody was exercising because there was no gyms open and heaven forbid people go outside. But, but I would, I, I'll tell you, I saw more people outside during 2020 than I ever have in my life. Yeah. And, and it is so vitally important that people understand how important that sunlight is and how it can change the neurochemicals in your brain from a, from a negative to a positive. Mm. The other thing is eat, you know, eat healthy food, right? And 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 move. You've got to move your body. Um, 
or you probably won't climb out of it. And I don't recommend, or, well, I shouldn't be recommending anything around this, but I, I'll tell you, I, for years, I was on an antidepressant. And I realized, I don't even know what made me realize, but something made me realize, I, I, maybe I ran out and I just never didn't get it filled. I can't remember exactly what made me stop taking it, but I decided, I, I, either way, I stopped taking the antidepressant and my life got exceedingly better because mm. I believe that antidepressants do their job, hence the words antidepressant. Well, let me back up. I actually don't think they do their job. I think they numb you out, and numb. I think that you're just kind of existing. You're not there. There's very little excitement. There's very little like super deep depression, right? But it's just kind of an even. There's mm. no like. There's no personality. It's weird, and so I understand some people have to have it. I get that. Yeah. But it wouldn't be my first go-to. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I understand, like, yes, uh, you know, we both are not doctors, but knowing what I know from my experience with the people, I think one of the things I, I people have, uh, people who are in depression, but people who are related to those people, uh, their friends or family, is this, stigma like when people do not talk about it like um i was talking to somebody and they were mentioning about somebody in their uh, relation who has going through depression and they're trying to hide us like do not hide do not be uh do not be ashamed of it there's nothing to be ashamed it is a health condition and you have to talk you have to take it just like you would take if you had a problem with your heart like you would talk and tell people and let it out. And I think uh, that's what I find uh, is that your experience. I would say that is. And and I think a lot of people don't, don't really come out and talk about it because of – it kind of goes back to the sales exa- example. It's the fear of judgment. Yeah. It's the fear of worrying about what other people think. And I, I'd like to just share one more quick thing on that in particular. You know, yeah. I didn't really mention this a moment ago, but – uh, in 2020, I went and I did two ayahuasca journeys. Now, for those that are listening that may not know what ayahuasca is, it's um, it's an Amazonian tea that has DMT properties to it. DMT uh, hits the pineal gland and and takes you to a different dimension. What it also does is opens your third eye. The reason I wanted to bring that up is because... I remember specifically the first, and, and they call it downloads. And and I don't know yeah. exactly. Maybe it'll, it'll make sense after I finish. But so when you get this powerful thought, and it's almost like somebody standing beside of you that's telling you this thought, right? And it's mm. that powerful, and it's it's kind of shocking because it hits you like, whew, I mean, hard. Meaning the thought, and so. What I realized in that second second journey that I did in that in the so there's three journeys in each each time I went down, and so mm-hmm. the second time that I took the tea or took the uh, ayahuasca, I was in a in this closed in like outside area, and there was people laughing, there was people crying, there was people flailing around, acting crazy, and 
And I what I and I looked around and I'm like, what in the hell? Like, is it not working? Mm-hmm. And it was like you and I talking right here, and it was a voice that said, That's your problem. You compare yourself to everybody else. You're not here for them. You're here for you. Focus oh. on you. You've done this all your life. It's just mm. like you and I talking. And that was extremely powerful for me because I didn't want to accept it. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Because I never really took, I didn't really think of myself as that person. Mm. But, but that's, that's absolutely what was happening. And so since then, I don't do that anymore. I try not mm. to do that anymore. Not, not as much for sure because I'm aware. Yes. Yes. And those of you who do not know about ayahuasca, it's a plant medicine and it's like Corey said, it's a, it comes from Amazonian. It's a whole ceremony. It's, it's, <clears throat> you have to do it with the people. The shaman. Who, yeah. Shamans. And, you know, there's also all kinds of shamans, good and made. Usually you need to find through somebody, uh, with referenceable. And, and also I think it, there is a calling. That's what I've heard. Like you are called to it. You cannot just say, okay, I'm, it's not a, um, experimental or a, uh, you know, something to do for fun. It just calls you and you go and, and there's, tons of information available online uh, for this. And it's suddenly becoming mainstream. Like more and more people are talking about these journeys. I hear this, uh, uh, and, uh, but you know, this is why I was saying that what Corey is going to bring is going to bring from experience. You heard him talk about as a five year uh, old kid and going to jobs to the business, um, doing all these journeys, depression, everything he has about him is real. And this is why I love um, so going on to now, you know, after all those journeys and every, um, sort of thing that one could experience in life. Um, and now, uh, you know, you're doing sales coaching with the companies and I, you know, as we were talking offline, you, or you're about to, uh, or you just recently launched a group sales program for, uh, individuals also, so t- talk me like what, how do you work with companies and uh, how do you work with the groups? Like what, what is it that they get it, get out uh, working with you? Sure. So, sure. So at the end of the day, there's one reason and typically one reason only that people work with me and that's to grow their revenue, to make yes. more money. Right. I mean, that's the whole goal of the program is for you, whoever's in it, to make significantly more money than when they came in. Mm-hmm. And so one of the ways that we do that is we go through our confidence to close, right? We do our, we, uh, some of our other steps are effective follow-up, um, successful prospecting, um, com- um, confidence to close. Did I already say that? I don't think I did. Did I already say that? Yes. It's oh, I did already say that. Yeah. So, um, there's, there's, there's several steps. I won't bore you with all of them. But at the end of the day, what it does is it helps, one, the confidence big time because it, it, it matters when you go into a conversation with a, perspe- a prospect. It matters if you, if you have the framework available in your brain to go through the checklist or the sales process. It's really important because it gives you the confidence that maybe you wouldn't already have. If you have mm-hmm. a point A to point B structure, 
you're going, I guarantee you're going to be more successful without a shadow of a doubt. And a lot of people don't realize they have a process when they do sales. They, they, they don't, they've never really broken it down. They just kind of wing it. And I'll be honest, if you just wing it, you're probably not going to be super successful. But if yeah. you have a certain framework that you go by, if there's a certain step that you know is, is the next step, then you're confident you're going to be able to close the deal. And my goal is to help people not go in thinking, I'm going to close the deal. Because if you're thinking about, I'm going to close the deal, you're not thinking about what the customer really needs. You're thinking about yeah. what you need. You're thinking about the BMW or thinking about <laughs> the new house or whatever. And that's the wrong. And that's why people get a bad name in sales. You mentioned that earlier. There's a stigma. And that's why, because people get into sales for the money and the money only. Guess what? Yeah. I was that guy for the longest time. Mm. And guess mm. what? I, I was never as successful as I am now because I don't, Granted, there's a monetary value to it, of course. That's why we all work. So why we yeah. run business, that's why we do our whatever we do. But that's not the only intention. The intention is I want to make sure that you get in a better spot, a much better spot than where you started. And that's yeah. my that's my goal. And so mm. I've been fairly I would say I've been pretty successful at that. And I know that for said. So um, um, <clears throat> just to give, if you were to give one tip out of thousand tips you have, like in building the confidence that you help people build, because that is, as you mentioned, is the big part of uh, learning how to get better at sales. What would that be like? What could you tell our audience to do getting better in the, you know, building the confidence? So I'll tell you, so I'll tell you, so I'll build on what I mentioned earlier, which is role play. The easiest yeah. way to do this, and let's just take let's just take somebody who's a little bit shy or maybe really shy, right? Yeah. I, I don't, let's just take that person, for example, because a lot of people think that extroverts are the only people in sales, but I disagree with that because mm -hmm. and let's just call it introvert just for the sake of the conversation. Um, introverted excuse me, introverted individuals that get into sales are very successful. The reason is because people don't see that coming. They don't see somebody that has an outward shy appearance. They don't expect them to be in sales. And so it's almost like a sniper. The other thing that the tip that I'll give you is this. Everybody listening to this has a phone. Take yeah. the camera out of the phone and practice in front of the phone on video. That does multiple things. One, it gets you better on video. Two, yeah. you see what you look like, or, or you could do it on Zoom as well, or a computer if you want to do it there. But the phone's the easiest. You could do that in your car. You could do it in wherever. You don't have to do it mm. in front of somebody, and that is what's going to stop somebody from role-playing is the fact they've got to do it with another person human being. So mm -hmm. just take that completely out of the picture, pull out your phone, iPhone or Android, whatever you got, and just start recording what it is you want to say. And if you do that over and over, you don't have to do anything with the videos. Over and over and over, your confidence will gain exponentially. Mm. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, it just reminded that, you know, doing over and over, I, it reminded me uh, a quote from Bruce Lee, and he said, I don't fear a man who uh, practices thousand kicks one at a time. I fear a man who practices same kick thousand times, right? <laughs> so it's doing over and over again, and it's so on the point that it does give you confidence. I mean, think of it, anything you get good at is just by repetition. Um, well, if you think about, awesome. man, pre, if you think about the, if when you were in school, and, and let's just take way earlier in school, and you memorized whatever it was you had to take the test on. Yes. Oh, Right. So you went into it knowing that you had the information because you practiced it. You memorized it and you went in and you did great on the test. Now, let's take the person that doesn't do that. And they're probably not going to do near as well as the person who memorized the the information. Mm -hmm. True. Um, That brings me to, I'm going to ask one more question and then we're going to wrap up because I know you have other things to manage. You have a big day ahead. So one last thing, um, somebody, um, whether it's an individual or a company, right? When you are somebody who's sitting behind the desk doing those jobs, you have your talents, your hard core skills there, but you still have aspirations to do more uh, or as a company owner, you want to you know, leverage your people do more, not just sit behind the desk. Um, what could they do in terms of, you know, should people be just investing in them in their hardcore trade skills? Or do you see any value in companies and individuals investing in themselves into soft skills like learning sales, learning marketing, whatever it may be the case for them to get to the next uh, how do you see, um, especially because you work both with individuals and the companies? So, so here's the thing. Like, I think that I, I, my answer would be the soft skills because I believe that if you can communicate effectively, you yes. can do just about anything. Now, if you can't communicate effectively, for example, you, you, I, I don't know if I've said it on here or not, but. Lots of times I'll say, do you see what I'm saying? And so if I hear you say that, that tells me you're a visual learner. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you say, I hear what you're saying, that tells me you're an auditory learner. If you say, I feel what you're saying, that means you're a kinesthetic learner. Why is this important? Because if you're auditory and and I'm a visual learner, I speak in visual terms, you're going to miss part of it because you're not a visual learner, right? And it's like me, I'm a more visual learner. It's like if I listen to an audio book, I'm probably going to have to listen to it twice. But if I watch a video on it, I guarantee I won't have to watch it but one time. But because that visual aid is not there, I miss part of the information. And so that's key. It's so important because if you think about that, if you think about being able to communicate the way the other the person you're trying to talk to can understand, it's going to skyrocket. It's going to skyrocket. So true, and so true. Bringing those uh, understanding your people. I mean, I'm 
I didn't even know about myself. Like I was, uh, I'm more auditory, uh, auditory. Like I have visual aspect, but the majority of is auditory. And when somebody used, I mean, when coaches and people, mentors, books would say, okay, visualize on your dreams. Like I could not. And then I noticed when I visualize, I'm actually not visualizing. I'm hearing the sounds like I'm hearing, uh, the claps or people announcing my name or whatever it is, but I'm more auditory. And as I learned that, I am, I can amplify that game of, you know, focusing on hearing rather than visual. And that is, uh, same in sales. Like you, you have to understand about other people, but I think if you understand about yourself also, that also helps a great deal. Um, good. That was tons of gold there. Um, you shared about everything and, and, and we touched about tons of things, uh, from, you know, uh, from a nine to fiver to entrepreneur to person who may be feeling down and depression, but I hope this gives them hope. And, uh, where can people find you, Corey, if they want to work, they want to know about more about your work, how can they find you? Sure. So on practically all the social channels, it's just at Corey barrier. Um, mm-hmm. and then, so I've got, a, a couple of companies that I'd like to talk about or just mention, which sales CEO mm-hmm. is my coaching group and my coaching company. And then we also have a company called automated deals. And what we do with that is we book appointments for solar companies. We also mm-hmm. book appointments for other industries, but right now primarily is solar because there's so many people out there selling leads that are worthless or they're fake, or the numbers are wrong, or the names are wrong, or it, and it's just a scam. A lot of times, it's a scam. And when I got really tired of talking to tradesmen and, and people in the trades about how many, how much money they had spent on marketing, crazy marketing stuff, and crazy leads, and 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 so we figured out a way to to make this work for them, where they wouldn't have to spend a lot of money out of pocket, and they're guaranteed the appointments. So it's really going to be a massive success. And so far we've done very well with it. And we've only been doing this for, I don't know, month, month and a half. And we've already got two companies under, under our belt that we're working, working with. Yeah. Amazing. uh, Go on. No, sorry. Go on. I was going to say, you can just find me at, at coreybarrier.com is where you can find the website. Yeah, I'll put the links in with the episode so people uh, can find you. Anybody who wants, whether you're a company owner who wants to improve and see what Corey and his company can do for sales for your business, increasing revenue, or with somebody who wants to grow your sales individual, you're a salesperson or a technical person and you want to earn more money, I think you definitely um, should reach out to Corey. My experience with Corey has been great. Like uh, he gives you advice. He's not there just to make money. He's going to, like he said, when it makes sense to do business or to do the win-win situation, that's all he is about. So do that. And thank you, Corey, for, you know, giving me your time and being uh, here with my audience and um, uh, really appreciate. I learned a lot of good things that, and something that I didn't even know about you and, I think I'm, I'm one step more closer to you as a friend now than before the interview. 
Well, and the last thing, I, I'd like to give the audience the opportunity. They can go to CoreyTheSalesCEO.com and download my Objection Crusher Cheat Sheet. This will really help people, especially if we're talking about people that don't know how to handle objections. It's a really good roadmap that mm-hmm. should be massively beneficial for most everybody, especially people that are not in sales. So I just thought I'd tell you that it's free. doesn't cost you a single penny. Go download it, enjoy it, use it, and that's all. Great. Awesome. Thank you for that. I'll put that also link in there. So thank you again. I'll see you soon again. You got it. Thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed the show as much as I did and got some valuable nuggets out of it. If you liked it, there are other shows you can watch. They're exactly what you need. And I ask you to like, comment, subscribe. Let me know what you thought of the show. Uh, Really, I want to hear from you firsthand what you felt, what you liked, what you didn't like. So thank you and see you around.